Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. New Life Midtown, welcome. I already said it before, but I was in a different position on the stage. I need to say it again from this side. It is good to be with you as we are nearing the end of summer. Can you believe it, parents? Can you believe it? <clears throat> Mike, Mike can laugh because he had 15 or 18 years of that. Uh, we are finishing our series today on the book of Proverbs from the wisdom literature, mostly Proverbs, a little bit of Ecclesiastes. The series is titled, How Do I? And then dot, dot, dot. And we have every week tackled a different subject. And today we're going to conclude our series by speaking about, and, and clearly I'm not preaching this morning, and I'll explain what's going to happen here in just a second, but the topic of finishing well. And so if you are new and this is intriguing to you, I would encourage you, go back on our website or our YouTube channel and watch the last seven or eight weeks where we've been talking about this. And Oh, and I need to introduce myself. I'm, we're about to introduce these guys, but you're like, who are you? Why is the worship leader up here interviewing people? Uh, my name is Jonathan Swindle. I'm the exec, cause, well, because I'm the one who has to. Uh, my name is Jonathan Swindle. I'm the worship and executive pastor, and I, I'm privileged to interview the Bixlers and the Rices this morning. So let me give just a little bit of background, and then I would like for you guys to give about 10 seconds of who you are, some of the things that you've done in life. So you got to keep it really short, because you've done a lot of, you're old. Well, you can say that. If that suffices for you to say, then you can say that, but I'm not allowed to say that. Um, so actually, let's go ahead and begin. This is Dr. Jim. Why don't you give us just a second of who you are, what you've done, and how long you've been in this church, and then we'll proceed. Is it not? Oh, push that all the way up. There we go. Okay. So um, we kind of think of ourselves as having lived three or four separate kinds of lives, and uh, I think we're kind of in our fourth stage now. Um, we've participated here at uh, Midtown since it was Freedom Church. Two uh, names ago, yes. for, those who are, for those who are counting. Uh, I think we've been here eight or nine years, about ten years. So that's all I'm going to say. That's great. Well, we're going to dive deeper. Well, you can hand that to Miss Val and she can introduce herself. We can just keep the mics on. That way you guys have the freedom to chat. And so I am Valerie, and um, I'm his wife. <laughs> no, he's your husband. <laughs> I am yours, and you are mine. There we go. Um, and uh, we have three children and seven, eight grandchildren. Seven, I think. I Anyway, and um, we've been in the pastorate. We've been, Jim's been a chaplain in the army, and uh, we are now retired. <laughs> and that's enough of that. Using your gifts for the kingdom. Yes. Denise? I'm Denise Rice. Wow, that sounds like it's, it's good. It's good. Okay. Yeah. I'm used to hearing it in my ears, not out there. Um, so we've been married 30 years this week. That's my husband, Mike. I know. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, so, gosh, we've done a lot. Homeschooled, public schooled, uh, producer for stage, film, TV, and now a nurse. So all kinds of craziness that we have been doing over the last few years. So. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm a little more constant. I've been in the custom home building industry for the last I don't know since I was 19 years old. So wow. Uh, yeah, three adult three adult sons, all married. Two grandchildren, one more arriving in February, so we're super excited about that. And uh, yeah, we we landed on the shores of what was just recently had become Antioch Church in October of thirteen. So we're we're about eight years now, coming up on eight years. Excellent. So this morning, there it was clear to me early on that I was not suited to preach on finishing well. I just turned thirty-four years old a couple of weeks ago. And Pastor Jade and I were talking right before he left, and we just thought it would be a fantastic idea to interview, and it's going to be a little bit less of an interview, more of a conversation and discussion, but we wanted to have a variety of perspectives on finishing well, because we knew that you are in a variety of different places in life. So the Bixlers are retired, as Ms. Val said in air quotes, they are much older have earned some wisdom. Hey, Proverbs speaks of gray hair as better than gold and silver. So you guys, you, it's, it's decreasing, but it's, incre- it's going from here up there. So it's increasing in heaven. What does it say about no hair? You got to search the scriptures, my friend. So we wanted to have a perspective from someone who is right in the middle of that season. And then the Rices have just recently been in a season of transition where their three boys have moved out, graduated college. I think Drew might still be in college. Did he graduate? He's in his master's. And all three are recently married just in the last three or four years. So they've had a shift from one season to a distinctly different season. And then there's me. And my season is where, where many of you are at. But one of the things that, I, that hit me very early on in preparing for today was that I have been fortunate and privileged to be able to work with and to watch a number of people that are in their late 60s all the way up into their late 80s. I have three grandparents that are 86, 87, and 88. And they are all walking with the Lord and have been for more than 50, probably more than 60 years. So part of what I am going to leaven the conversation with is a series of conversations that I had with people in my life that I have observed, and I asked them some of the same questions. So I'm coming from the younger perspective of having watched. The Bixlers are living it right now, and the Rices are in between, but have made a recent shift toward raising kids and family life, and now toward a a different perspective, which we're going to get into. And uh, I want to start by reading from Proverbs 22, verse 6. We're just going to read one verse here, and then the rice is, I'm coming to you with the first question. This verse is one that we've all heard. It says, start children off on the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. How many of us have heard this message? We have heard this message. We have been preached this message, and we have preached this to our kids. Well, my kids are a little young, but most of you have. But what I want us to emphasize this morning is to realize that from the very beginning, when we are raising little bitty kids like we have, like the Tonkins have, the scriptures are already concerned about the end. That part of why we teach in the beginning is not just so that they make it tomorrow, but that they make it tomorrow and a thousand tomorrows well. And that when they come to the end of their life, whenever that will be, They have lived a life of wisdom following after the Lord. 
So right from the beginning, it's important that we recognize the scriptures, in particular, the wisdom literature, have the end in mind. None of us know when our last day will be. We would love to, to know when that would be, of course, but we don't. And the only way to ensure that we will arrive at the end of our days and be able to say that we have finished well, I think comes down to two things, and then I'm going to start asking questions. One is that we trust the Lord. Because none of us know what is happening tomorrow, the only way to live as a Christian is knowing who holds tomorrow. We've, we've all sung that song, He Holds the Future, right, the, the old Gaither song. We are ones who inherently, by being Christians, by following Jesus, we are saying we don't know what will come, but we trust the one who does. And the second thing is that our lives are the fruit of our habits, of the decisions that we make. And so if we are going to finish well, it's going to be because we have trusted God and we have made thousands upon thousands upon thousands of decisions that are toward the path of God and toward the path of wisdom. In my asking questions of people I knew, one of the people I approached was Dr. Mark Rutland. He was my president of undergrad at my university, Southeastern University, and the president of my, uh, the, the graduate degree that I earned and that I worked at, uh, Oral Roberts University. And I asked him a number of questions. And one of the things he said about the lessons that he had learned, and then I wanna, I wanna set this up for you, Mike and Denise, is that we have to get comfortable with the fact that life is an adventure with God, which inherently means that there are seasons. So speaking about seasons, you guys, as I've already mentioned, have just made an adjustment in your life season. Denise, speak to me a little bit about what you have learned of walking with seasons thus far in life. Yeah, lots of seasons from the single to the newly married to the young babies. We had three boys in four and a half years. So that was a chaotic season, I would say. Um, up through teenage years, up through um, dating years and finding the one and, and weddings and now grandchildren, a lot of different seasons. And, you know, when Jonathan asked this, like, what have you learned about the long haul? And the first thing I thought about is that God is a seasonal God. You know, we read in Ecclesiastes 3, right, all the seasons, time to be born, a time to die, right, a time to weep, a time to harvest, a time to sow, right, all of that. And I really, it struck me in the fact that seasons are so important because um, God loves the seasons, he, especially in Colorado, right? We get to see the seasons. And to appreciate the seasons you're in, you know, you don't wear shorts and flip-flops in the middle of a blizzard, except for a maybe, except for maybe my <laughs> husband and Aaron, right? But you appreciate the season, and you're in it, and you're prepared for it, right? But the problem that I think that we have as people when we're in different seasons is that we look at other people in different seasons and re resent the fact that we're in not in the same season as them, right? I think it's easy when you're a mom with a bunch of young kids to look at a family who gets to go on vacations, who get to buy things or whatever it is, and you're just like, ugh, right? And you don't settle into the season you're in because God shows up 
specifically and differently in each season for you. He reveals himself in a different way in that season. And if you're so busy focused on being on that next season, well, I'll be content when the kids are in school or when they're out of the house or whatever that may be, you miss what God is doing. And he loves the seasons. He puts so much effort into these seasons. And if you stop and you don't resent where you are and you settle in and you listen, he's going to reveal himself in a fresh and in a new way in something different than he will in the following season. And we just don't want to miss it. Yeah, that's good. I asked Dr. Clarence Boyd, who's uh, also at Oral Roberts University, for those in the congregation who may know. And the first thing that he said was beware of resentment and comparison. He said resist resentment and comparison. And I I think he said comparison, which leads to resentment. So Denise is exactly... Someone who is much smarter and wiser than me agrees with you, so that's fantastic. That's good. Mike, Mike, what have you learned about yourself and your capacity in this recent transition with the boys out of the house now? Right. Well, obviously, when you get into that kid stage, which is, you know, a pretty large component of folks, you know, as I'm looking out on, on the congregation here, you're pretty busy, right? You're, you, it's takes it's from early morning to late at night with you know all the way from diapers to homework to sporting events to you know all of that and uh, as you as your kids need you less and less you find yourself with wow I actually have bandwidth for something else (laughs) and for those of you think that you never will you will don't worry it just takes a while it just takes a while I found that for me the temptation was, um, you spoke on this last week a bit, Jonathan, about retirement and that mindset. Uh, I found myself almost jumping into that retirement mindset, not before I was done working, Mm. but like kids are done, so I guess nobody, I'm I'm off the hook. I got all my weekends and evenings too. (laughs) And... When you look and you say, okay, God, what is it that you really have designed for my life? And what are your intentions and your plans and your purposes? I realized, you know, I'm being really, really selfish here. Um, And so, and what it took for me was it took for me, and this sounds a little goofy, but I had to fall in love with the body of Christ again. Hmm. I had to realize that there are just, uh, just, Dozens and dozens of people here that God wants me to be pouring into and them to be pouring into me and to be diving into those relationships and to be taking what I was pouring into my family, into my children in that season and to be like, now I have bandwidth for the body of Christ a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but that, that at first it came out of obligation, but then once I realized everything we do needs to be coming out of you know God's heart for the situation, God's heart for him yeah. and his people. Once I was able to kind of make that heart shift and that mind shift into what's, you know, what's God's heart for my buddy Jackson, right? And being able to dive into that with everything that God's put into me. What's God's heart for Jeff Ward and his family, right? And all of a sudden you're like, wow, I have this bandwidth for these things that have eternal, yeah. eternal consequences just like my kids. And, uh, you're just taking that bandwidth and you're taking that passion. You're taking all those things that God has put in you and you're yeah. just 
redirecting them a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Mike, that's good. Two things I just want to clarify and hone in on here, and then Dr. Jim and Ms. Val, we're going to turn to you. One is, let me validate the distinction of seasons in life. And as a, as a church member, it can be easy to come into a space in a certain season and feel like I should be doing so much more, but I just don't feel like I can right now. And if you are in that space, I want to validate that God, as has been said, is a God of seasons, and he cares about you individually, not just the collective whole. And if you are in a season where you feel like, I have nothing to give, grace be with you. Peace of the Lord be with you. That is okay. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. And then on, on the flip side of this, Mike mentioned he was heading to that space, and the Lord checked him. And part of living life with God in the long haul is you, you have to be open to that. <laughs> if we just live, in, live according to the common sense wisdom of the world, then Mike's absolute, like his mindset before was right. He's in hustling season. This is the last 10, 15 years to make all the money back that he could have been making the last 25 years. Like if we just work with our common sense and not, are not discerning and sensitive to the word of the Lord that's pricking our hearts and touching our hearts, then when those seasons come where God might want to bring us back into a season of more serving or more giving out, or as Denise said in our, our conversation earlier this week, she said, we thought we were done pouring, but we're just now pouring into different cups. And there are some of you in this place, some of you need to be validated that it's not time. Others of you, it's time to change the cups that you're pouring into. So I, I just wanted to hone in on those two things. Can I add, I think society says that when your parents, you're giving, 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 and then retirement, you're taking, taking, taking. And that's just not at all what God says. You're taking stock of yourself and your life, but you're giving more and like, I mean, it is that, that different cups. You know, I just see we pour our kids, we pour our kids, we pour our kids, and then the kids kind of move on and they start pouring. And then we have different cups. We have to look for the cups though, yeah. right? They're not just sitting right in front of us. They don't live in our house, right? We have to look for them. Yeah. So you have to be full at all times to be ready. Because if you're empty, when the cup comes, you're not going to have anything, right? Yeah, so it's right. not about taking. It's about getting with the Lord, seeking the Lord, filling it up. So whenever that cup is in front of you, you're ready to pour. That's good. You're ready to pour. Yeah. You're ready to pour. Just like the four of you, ready to pour this morning. <laughs> Dr. Jim and, and then Miss Val, we've all known people, which this is the time for us to not open our mouths right now, who have not finished well. <laughs> and sometimes that looks like a huge scandal or a flaming out or renouncing their faith and turning away from the Lord. Sometimes that looks like something that is much more subtle. So as someone who's been a pastor, a chaplain, and a therapist, I want to ask you, what are some things that you have seen that have been hurdles for people to not finish well? Help us see those this morning. Well, to begin with, the things that um, can lead to not finishing well are the same behaviors that we have in any stage of life when we experience setbacks. They're the very same behaviors. Um, 
The first one is just not having an awareness of yourself and when you're vulnerable. Uh, so I'll give a couple of examples. Cain, um, you know, he murdered his brother Abel. God said to him, um, sin is crouching at your door, yeah. and its desire is to have you. Now, he sort of knew that, but he continued out of his, uh, out of his own circumstances to not be prepared to deal with that. Mm. David, I don't think he woke up one morning and said, you know, I think today I'm going to murder one of my mighty men. Right. He was in a period of ease, and he didn't realize that made him vulnerable. Um, now, how many of you can think of seasons in your life when you had trouble with finances, trouble with work, trouble with kids, trouble with parents, maybe all at the same time. Anybody here? <laughs> Can you think of that? So those are times when you are vulnerable and you come to the end of yourself very quickly. When you don't know what you're going to do, and we tend to rely on, on our own wisdom. And when we're in a state of being overwhelmed like that, that's when we make really bad decisions. So we need to have that awareness. Well, where am I in life right now? I kind of think of uh, uh, track and field, that things are not limited just to one race. You're in a heat, and either you complete that race or you don't. And then there's another heat after that, quarterfinals, semifinals. That represents the phases in life that we are in. And do we run the race well? Hmm. Secondly, when we don't know how to deal with our anxiety or our depression, um, Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. Uh, that doesn't represent the experience of most of us. We're anxious about so many things. And we try so hard to control life so that nothing bad will happen. Um, I think that represents a good share of us. It certainly represents people that I see every day. When we conclude I have no control over life and no matter what I do, there's nothing that will change it. The difference between that and anxiety is the latter is depression. So those things can side rail us. Um, the third thing I would say is bitterness. When we go through life and we have really negative experiences with people, things that people have done or failed to do, uh, we become increasingly bitter. And that can carry on into old age, certainly. And um, I think all of us have had experiences with bitter people, and they don't reflect a victorious life. They reflect a life that's kind of lost in despair and anger. Yeah, Dr. Jim, before Miss Val, I want you to conclude here. 
<clears throat> as I've mentioned, I, I asked these questions to many other people that don't attend this congregation, and the single thing that every one of them said, in some words, more or less, was protect your heart. Mm-hmm. Don't let your heart get poisoned. Mm-hmm. And with that one and with what Ms. Val is about to share, that, that's what I hear. Like, we, we are wounded. We will be disappointed. We will have afflictions, things that come against us. And how we respond can determine a huge part of our life. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It, you're going to get jostled in life. I was watching one of the races in the Olympics. It was a group endeavor. I think it was the 800 meters. And the people in the middle of the pack were just getting elbowed and jostled all around. How do you break out of that? So uh, that's certainly our experience, I think, as human beings on a daily basis. We get jostled around. We get elbowed by other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And we frequently experience that as a, a, a disappointment of our expectation of what we thought, how we thought things should be and how we thought things shouldn't be. But all of us experience things frequently that are not the way we believe they should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ms. Ms. Val, what about you? What have you seen? What would you add to this list that we have time for? (laughs) Well, what that all often leads to is for us to become very judgmental and unforgiving. Really, bitterness is uh, judgmental and unforgiveness on steroids, I think, where it's be almost become a disease within you when, it become, when you become bitter. And God has made, given us solutions to these hard things in our lives. We can learn to forgive. We are forgiven. I mean, we've all done our share of the dumb stuff. And we can be forgiven and we can learn to forgive and walk in freedom. But many of us choose to live it with our judgments and with our unforgiveness. And it creates an unhappy person really. And so you walk through life and you come in to old age and you're, you're bitter and miserable. And that's a very sad state of affairs. And the thing about that is, is if we continue to hold those on, we develop a victim mentality we begin to feel like it's everybody else's fault. You remember what Adam said? Adam, who, by the way, was, was, was present when the, when the serpent was talking with Eve, and later said to God, my wife gave it to me. What, what did he say? He said... <laughs> That woman you gave me. So in one half of a sentence, he managed to blame her and God at the same time. (laughs) And, And of course, Eve 
was not innocent in that process. She immediately blamed the serpent, and he deceived me. And what we find ourselves is feeling victimized. And there really, that victim place, to live in that place, is a miserable life. It is a miserable life. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And he has a way for us to walk out of that and walk into the end of our life with joy and gladness and uh, still a sense of adventure and feeling good about life. But you, we really, have to be willing to use the tools that God has given us through his son and act on those and do forgiveness and, and do the confession and the repentance that we need to do so that we can get to that joyful place and finish well. Yeah, Dr. Jim, in our time on Monday night, you brought up this, this story and you said just because you didn't start well or really bad things happen doesn't mean you can't finish well. And, and I hope that that is hopeful. I hope that it is hopeful for some of you who have had some really rough beginnings and some really rough circumstances in your lives. Is there anything you'd like to add or would you like to read Well, that? conversely, just because you started well doesn't mean you're going to finish well. That is true. So we have to remember, as Valerie talked about, the skills, the, the things God wants us to learn in order that we can live life well. And that's what it means to be self-disciplined. Uh, and that's what God calls for us. Right. So the story Jonathan was referring to comes from Second Chronicles chapter 33. It's about a king, Manasseh. He was one of the most evil kings that had existed in Judah. This is what the account says. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. So the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. In his distress, he sought the Lord. He sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the Lord the God of his fathers. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to the kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was his God. Now, he had, a real, had really run a poor race in life, but he finished well. So part of that is remembering that. Um, there are times when all of us uh, face defeat and we've made really bad decisions, but God provides a way of recovery. Mm -hmm. And as Jonathan has said, God's faithfulness is not dependent upon ours. Right. We must remember that. We must be able to receive God's love. And that's one of the first 
things we have to learn in life to run well. I'm going to jump ahead here, and Mike and Denise, I want to pose this question to you. Not generically, what does it look like to finish well, but for you specifically, what are some things that you are hoping will be true for you in the next 20, 25 years as you're looking toward the end of the finish line? Yeah. Um, we've been doing this over the past six months. I think there's been a huge shift in where we're headed, our trajectory. Um, and he alluded to transition and, and all of that. And so I've been thinking about this a lot, like where do we want to be? Where do we want to go? And one of the things that we do every so year, so few years, hello, every few about years, once about once a year, um, but we, especially, you know, in January and say, what do we want this year to look like? What do we want our future? Reevaluate, recalibrate. Sometimes we just have to stop and recalibrate. If we see that we're maybe leaning one direction or another that we don't feel like God wants us to be, you have to recalibrate, right? And so we have done that. And as Jonathan has been asking us this question, like how, where do we want to be? And what are we doing? In the last six months, God has shown us, staying on the same analogy of the cups, so many different cups. Cups that I never saw or never wanted. I'll give you a really great example. Is that We used to have that five-minute countdown. Now it's the two-minute countdown. And I was sort of infamous for running to the bathroom because I didn't want to meet new people. I don't like small talk. And I kind of would run to my friends and hide, right? I'm a extroverted introvert. So I'm kind of an introvert at heart that has just a big personality. So figure that one out. And so God has started to say, no, you've got different cups to fill. And so now at the two minute, he put on my heart, I'm actually looking for people and seeing people and realizing that there's a lot of different cups out there. And towards the end, the biggest thing Jonathan said, what do you want at the end of your life to be? And it's one, I want to be absolutely more in love with God than I started. Because as Aaron was talking about uh, last week, about how at the end of Moses's life, he writes about how, God, you're just getting started. And I loved that. The fact that at the end of our lives, God's just getting started. And to hold on to that and put it in my heart and look for those opportunities to say, God, where are you just getting started in my life? Where, where of those? And so that's, I think, our goal is to find as many cups in every color, in every size, in every shape, in every dimension to pour into that God has in front of us and to just be more in love with him. Um, but it, it takes effort, as I, as I talked about a little earlier. If I just sit back, cups aren't going to come to me. I have to look for them. I can't run to the bathroom when it's time to meet new people. I have to press in, and we need to do that because that's where the beauty and the glory of what he's doing in us. That's good. Mike, what about you, man? Well, I'm pretty sure Aaron Brown was in my office last night stealing my notes. <laughs> I don't know how you didn't wake up Vaughn as you were prowling around my house, Aaron, because that's where Vaughn sleeps. <laughs> what, what Aaron so powerfully was speaking to uh, as he was transitioning our service uh, out of worship into uh, the next phase about the visiting, the Lord visiting upon generation after generation, what we were singing into, mm -hmm. that um, just, it, this is very personal and real to me. I lost my dad last year, 16, 17 months ago. 
great father, wonderful father, could not have asked for more. What he put into me, I was able to some degree by God's grace put into my kids. Mm -hmm. And then my kids are going to put it into their kids. And so there are, there are things that we will see in our families when God comes to cash it all in, when he comes to redeem the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to have fruit and there's going to be legacies that we, we, we can't see this side of eternity. Right. But I am just so committed to that, right, to pouring into. And that goes beyond just my immediate family, as right. I've already spoken to. That's like, you know, do I want a big funeral? I really do. I, I, it's not about, not about, not because I don't want it to be about, hey, this is, you know, Mike, what a great guy he was. I want a funeral that is packed by people like people just saying, I'm closer to God because I spent some time with Mike Rice. And it's not me. It's God. It's God. I want to be so clear on this. It's God just using each of us with whatever talents, whatever passions he's put in us, he's given us so that, I mean, it sounds so corny, but the world's a better place, right? We're bringing people closer to God, closer to each other. There is, um, and I'll wrap it with this, in, I think it's Joshua 14, and we're not going to read it. Uh, yeah, Joshua 14. Joshua 14 as the Israelites are moving into the promised land, right? Yeah. And Caleb says, and then, I mean, it's, uh, it's a very short chapter, Joshua 14. Uh, it's great to go back and read it. It's pretty easy. Uh, and he says, I'm 85 years old, and I'm still as ready for battle as I was 40 years ago when God made me this promise. Mm. And, you know, man, I hope I'm ready to whoop up on some, Amalekites when I'm 85, but you know, maybe may, I'd love that. But maybe I'll just run over their toes with my wheelchair. I don't know, but that's probably smacking with my cane. But the what's in that I think is thanks, good catch. What what what's in that is the 40 years that he, he at 85 he was more trusting in God. He was more steadfast in God. That faithfulness and that expectancy at 85. I want to be that 85-year-old that no matter what condition I'm in, I'm like, no, God is doing this. I want to be the orneriest 85-year-old for God because I've had six, seven, eight decades of seeing his faithfulness, right? Shouldn't the older we get, the more ornery and just, just dug in on God because we've got that much more testimony. We've seen that much more, right? Yeah. And while our strength tends to go down, that doesn't mean our spirit and that, that just that expectancy, right? That, that's my Absolutely. answer to your question. And, and I just want to, I want to affirm too here that we need those of you who have walked with the Lord for 40, 50, 60, maybe longer years. We need, even if you don't feel like you have much physical energy to offer, we need you. We don't need what you can do. We need you. You are valuable, your, your wisdom, your presence, all the things you've seen, all the things that you have carried it, in the church. I, I think that we have done a disservice by, by making things about all the stuff that we can do, all of the ministries, all of the evangelistic things, which naturally lend themselves to people who are younger with more physical energy to exert. But, and we do need young people. We need, we need everyone. But those of you who are older and feel like, I'm just, I show up, nobody, no, no, we notice. We notice, 
and we need you. We need your presence. We need your grace. We need the peace that you carry. We need your calm because of all the things that you have seen over your lives. So if you have been walking with the Lord for a really long time, we're not asking you to do more. But your presence being here means a lot to us, even if we don't feel it or sense it. There, there's, there's, a, there's an anchor in the spirit. There's an anchor to yeah. that faithfulness, to the testimony, to all yeah. of that, that, that transcends doing things. I agree. Yeah. Miss Val and Dr. Jim, what about you? At the, at the end, we're striving to finish well. What are you hoping for your life? What came to me when uh, we were talking about the other night was I want to have a tree of life that is so full of fruit that it literally drags the ground. <laughs> That's and, you know, it, it, we certainly think of the fruit of the Spirit. So I hope that my fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, all of that, that's dragging the ground. But also, hopefully, that my influence drags the ground in a positive way. But that all starts and ends with love. Yeah. Jim said it earlier. He said we need to receive God's love. That's where it starts. And I know a lot of people who have had a hard time letting God love them. And so I'm saying to all of you, we receive God's love through his son, Jesus. And he is eager to pour it deep, 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 deep into who you are. And out of that, we respond and love him back with everything we are. And then in that, we turn it on to others and love them in ways that they will never be loved in this world. And that is going to produce, I believe. The thing is, is, is something we do all of our lives. It's not just something we do at the end of our lives. It's something we can do all of our lives so that when we do get to the end, our trees are full, <laughs> full of fruit. Yours is, Miss Val. And you're not done yet. Dr. Jim, before we come to the table, would you speak to this topic yourself? First of all, June, thank you for your prayer yes. today. It's um, throughout life, there are predictable changes and there are unpredictable changes. And each time we make a transition, change just means what worked before, well, that doesn't work now. Hmm. And so you have to find a new way of dealing with this new transition you're going through in life to live well in this new transition. Hmm. And that will happen all the way through your life. Um, some, we kind of know they're coming, what worked before you got married? Well, that doesn't work after you get married. <laughs> we know that. Word to the wise. Um, but there are other transitions that happen that we wouldn't have predicted. 
Maybe one of our kids has chronic health problems. Maybe we lose a job and have a really tough time being employed again. We can't predict those things, but nevertheless, they are a transition. Mm -hmm. And can we learn to live and overcome with that latest challenge that we're facing? So um, for each of us, we have to look and say, okay, I'm probably going to have to reinvent myself. And this means not to be rigid in your thinking, but to be open in your thinking to what God wants you to learn in this latest phase of life that you're going through so that you reflect the nature and the purposes of God himself. So uh, as we grow older, here's what the scriptures remind us about growing older. And those of you who are um, past 60, you can relate to this. It says... Um, Ecclesiastes 12. Ecclesiastes 12. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble, in other words, your legs and your arms kind of shake. And the strong men stoop. And the grinders cease because they are few. That means you've lost a lot of your teeth. <laughs> and those looking through the windows grow dim. You don't see as well. When the doors to the street are closed, and the sound of the grinding fades. In other words, it's like when the doors of the house close and you can't hear what's going on outside as well. The hearing begins to go. And then rise up, and men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. In other words, you don't sleep as well through the night. But when you wake up, well, you still don't hear the birds as well. In the midst of that, how can we say, okay, I'm entering into a new phase of life. You know, all of us in our phases of life, we have the resources of strength, motivation, energy, time, money. There are times in life when those resources increase. And there are times in life when they decrease. Um, I don't have the energy I had when I was 70. I climbed up on some uh, scaffolding out here and did taping. Yes, you did. I, I would not, not try that. that. Yeah, yeah, I would not try that today. <laughs> um, when we come to a time of diminishing, we have to ask ourselves, what is important to me? What is important to me? Maybe five years ago, I had 10 things that were important to me. But now I don't have the energy or the time or the resource for 10. And I might have to ask myself, what are the three things that are important to me? That I want to invest what time, what energy, what resources I have. If whenever you come to any change in life, you must ask yourself, What's important to me now? And God will guide you in that process, and that will help you reinvent yourself.
You know, when we read that scripture from Ecclesiastes and realize it's talking about us, <laughs> you know, that can be kind of a downer. And so this is the way I want to close out. I am not afraid of death. I am not afraid of it. I am going to, at some point, close my eyes and wake up with my angels walking me into heaven, or however it works. (laughs) Since I haven't experienced it yet, I don't exactly know. But when we did receive Jesus and his love, we received eternal life then. And it is forever. And so I am in this phase of this life, and it's a pretty short phase in the greater scheme of things. And I've got good stuff ahead of me, as do each one of you. Amen. Amen. Uh, We're told in the book of Psalms that all of our days are written in his book. So when I look at the remainder of my life, I want to know that I'm living out all of the days that God has appointed for me in his purposes and as his plans. And as I do that, no matter what those days bring, there is purpose. There is purpose in those days. And the purpose is to let God love me, to love God, and to love others. And um, when we live in that, then even in the days that seem to have few resources, we are living life well. We are running the race uh, of the current heat that we're in. And may we finish the race well. Guys, would you thank Dr. Jim, Miss Val, Denise, and Mike? And would you two lead us to the table? I'm going to move over to the keys. Please, let's stand together, prepare our hearts to come forward, and Dr. Jim and Miss Val will lead us in communion this morning. So, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he said this is my body broken for you now the Lord Jesus shared in our weakness he shared all of the sufferings that any of us could conceivably go through he said this is my body broken for you He became weak, and he invites us to enter into his strength that will enable us to be victorious in life uh, and in every phase of it that we live. So as we take this bread, remember, he said, this is my body broken for you. On that same night, on that 
I'm sorry. On that same night, he also said, he took the cup. This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, he wants us to have that forgiveness. And as we receive the blood today, as we receive the juice, I encourage you to respond in your heart with a willingness to not only receive forgiveness, but to forget, but to forgive others as well. As today, as we come and receive, uh, go out that way. I don't know where I'm left up here, <laughs> and go around and come in the other way. So if you'll come forward and receive the bread and the cup. Thank you, Dr. Jim and Ms. Val. Let's close our service by singing the doxology, remembering that every good and perfect gift, including our bodies, comes from the Lord above. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. As you leave today, if you want to know some of the things that are happening, the events that are coming up, please uh, find one of the QR codes around the building. There are many more we added this week, and they'll take you right to our events page. And now, thank you for those who have shared the word of the Lord to us and their wisdom. Lord, we ask that we would receive this, that it would go down deep, change our hearts, change our habits, 
our actions, and our mind. May we go in the peace and the favor of the Lord, looking to pour into all of the cups around us. In Jesus' name, amen.